morning. So open your Bibles, please, to the book of 2 Timothy chapter 2. 2 Timothy chapter 2. We're working our way through this book of the Bible. We'll take a couple of um, detours the next few weeks as we talk about Christmas and the end of the year. But I love this book of the Bible. I want to say just a word about uh, life groups. So this earlier this week, I, was, I conducted a funeral for a longtime church member, a great man who passed away. And because of the restrictions in our state, only his immediate family could be at the funeral home. And, and um, so afterwards, we were leaving the funeral home and going to the cars to go out to the cemetery. Uh, his whole life group was there lined up outside. The whole life group was there. And I could not tell you how much that meant to his family to see them there, even though they couldn't be there you know, physically with him. They were there uh, outside and I was just reminded of how much life groups matter, our small groups matter. And those, they matter because they're Bible studies, they matter because they're connection points, and I want to encourage you to get in a life group. I believe it will be to your great benefit long term. And if you need help finding a class, we'll help you find a class. If you're watching online, of course, we'll help you find a class too. You can get with one of the classes meeting, many of them are right now meeting both online and uh, in person. And we'll even, we're, we're even, uh, going to start some classes that uh, for people who are farther away or maybe live somewhere else that want to participate with our church in a life group. If you'll let us know, if you're watching online, let us know. If you're in person, stop by the Welcome Center Connection Point. We'll help you find a class that fits, and we just believe that's to be, that to be of such great value. We'll talk more about that in February. I'm doing it. We're starting a series that we'll do in all of our services and in our life groups called This Is Us, about who we are as a church and uh, so we'll get to that sometime. Well, let's look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, and we're going to read beginning. I'm going to, this, really the sermon starts with the verse 23, but the last time we were in 2 Timothy, we're in, we looked at verse 22. So I'm going to start there. It's kind of the start of the paragraph. Let's read that together. The Bible says, flee, verse 22, flee from youthful passions and pursue. Remember, we talked about what you run from and what you run to. Pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Verse 23, this is where we're going to focus this morning. But reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of the truth. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. Well, I'm going to talk with you this morning about the Lord's servant. One of the reasons I love Second Timothy so much is because it has really direct application for me personally. I'm, I'm a pastor, and so this is uh, Paul talking to young Timothy who's preaching. Next, the next chapter, it'll, it'll talk about preaching the Word. And so there's direct application for me. And of course, if you're a teacher, if you're teaching a life group or some other area of our church, there's a lot of application, direct application for you. But even if you don't have that as your gift, I want you to see that God has put this in his word for a reason, and it's for you. And though your gift may be different than my gifts, and your responsibility is different than my responsibilities, all of us can apply the principles of God's word in this book of the Bible to our lives. All of us have responsibility to teach to some extent. All of us have responsibility to serve the Lord. All of us have the Great Commission responsibility. And so I want you to take some notes here as we go. If you're watching online, kind of lean in and write these down. If you're here in person, they're on your message notes. Let's note some principles for the Lord's servant. But let's 
ask the Lord to apply these to our lives as well. So let's note these three principles. First, would you note, the Lord's servant should reject, should reject a quarrelsome attitude. Should reject a quarrelsome attitude. Verse, 20, uh, verse 23 says, reject foolish and ignorant disputes because you know that they breed quarrels and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. It's not like a suggestion, you know, if you, if you don't mind, it's must not. Verse 23, reject. Notice the Bible's talking here about the wrong direction. Reject foolish and ignorant disputes. Foolish disputes are those that are lacking wisdom. God wants us to see the world from his perspective. In fact, the Bible says, if you want wisdom, God will give it to you. That's what the book of James says. If you want wisdom, ask God. He generously gives. He wants you to have his perspective. But instead, many people are living foolishly. Foolishly, the Bible says a foolish dispute. And it says an ignorant dispute. It means uh, ill-informed, a dispute that we don't really know the truth of. And by the way, when has ignorance ever stopped us from disputing things? When has that ever been the problem? When I was a boy, I was having an argument with my brothers. We were listening to the radio. You know, in those days, you, the radio was kind of how you had to listen to music. You didn't have the same ease of listening that you have now. So we're listening to the radio. And the radio, the problem with the radio was, especially in small town Illinois, you didn't always get, you know, the stations really great. And so you couldn't hear everything really clearly. And we were arguing about the words of a song. The song was a Carly Simon song. For any of you who may remember that long ago, Carly Simon had a song that uh, said, you're so vain, you probably think this song is about you. And I thought and argued that it was, you're so vague, you probably think this song is about you. And my brother said, I mean, they said, that, that doesn't even make sense to say you're so vague, you probably think this song is about you. And I, but it didn't matter. I was wrong. But my ignorance did not stop me from arguing vehemently for my point. I was willing to argue about things I didn't know much about. I was willing to dispute and willing to be um, a foolish and ignorant dispute. And that has not, listen, that is the American way. We'll argue about anything. We don't have to know the truth. We don't have to be right to argue about something. We don't mind being foolish publicly. And um, you're so vague, really, sort, you sort of make that fit if you worked hard enough, I think. And so the Bible says the wrong direction, foolish and ignorant disputes, leads to the wrong destination. If you don't like the destination you're headed toward, you better change directions. Because the direction you're on is going to lead somewhere, and the wrong direction leads to the wrong destination. And foolish and ignorant disputes, the Bible says here, lead somewhere. You know that they breed, there's going to be a result that's going to happen here, quarrels. And the Lord's servant must not quarrel must not quarrel. The reason we want to avoid these foolish, ignorant disputes is because we want to recognize it's going to breed quarrels, and the Lord's servant must not quarrel. Not, not like, you know, a suggestion. Must not quarrel. And yet I found myself arguing with my brothers, quarreling with my brothers. It's a really common story. Um, my parents used to, like, give little jingos, you know, to teach you things, you know, along the way. And they said, they used to say, um, it takes two to tango. 
And I thought they said it takes two to tangle. And that's why I've always, when I was an adult and I found out that the saying was not it takes two to tangle, I was so surprised uh, because I thought it was tangle instead of tango because my mama didn't dance, my daddy didn't rock and roll. And so I didn't know, you know, all those young people just like, I'm so sorry, you don't know what that even refers to. But I could find myself quarreling and arguing. And it's a common way. It's sort of the American way. But it's not God's way. It's not God's way. And so if you want God to use you, you want God to bless you, you want to serve God well and effectively, then you're going to have to beware this quarrelsome attitude that is so much a part of our current society. There's a second principle. Would you write this principle down? The Lord's servant should choose a gentle approach. Now, when I, I feel like this, is a, this message is so countercultural because quarreling is the American way. You know, we fight and argue about everything. Listen, I'm all for taking the right stand and the discernment, but that quarrelsome, foolish and ignorant dispute is so common. And then when I talk about a gentle approach, well, what in the world? Gentle approach? You know, you're supposed to be assertive. I'm not gentle. I mean, it really ought to be the, the primary goal of your life is to just rebuke others. <laughs> but the Bible says something very differently. The Bible says, the Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach, and patient, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Let's, let's note some what I'm calling keys to effective service, this approach that God wants us to have, that Paul was telling Timothy he needed, that Paul through this telling me I need, that Paul's telling you you need, that God the Holy Spirit is telling us we need this gentle person. Let's note four keys to effective service. Number one is to be gentle to everyone. Verse 24 says that it must be gentle to everyone. It must not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone. So the Bible is saying here, notice it says gentle to everyone. It doesn't just say be gentle to those who are gentle to you or to be kind to those who are kind to you, or to love those who love you, but it says to everyone. It's a, it's a wide, broad category, isn't it? Gentle to everyone. The Bible's telling us that we choose our attitude, and it's not based on what others do or don't do. And our gentleness is not because they're gentle. It doesn't matter whether they're gentle. Our attitude is not based on their attitude. It doesn't matter what their attitude is. The Lord's servant must not quarrel, but must be, must be gentle to everyone. We are deciding the attitude we have, and it's, so some of you have grown up in a, a quarrelsome environment all of your life. You've not seen gentleness very much, and so you say, that's not my fault, that's my parents' fault. It is not your parents' fault. Maybe they modeled for you the wrong behavior. There's no parent who's perfect, but when we do wrong, it's us. Our gentleness, not based on what someone, you've got some rotten bosses. I don't doubt some of you got some people you work for that are, that are hard and difficult. And please, church staff, don't say, be careful what's said in the next moment. But you, you may have a boss who is hard to work for or with, but it is not dependent on others, gentle to everyone. And then it says, able to teach. If you want to be effective in your service, able to teach. The Bible says we're to not quarrel, but must be gentle to everyone, able to teach. The Bible is saying we, want to, we, we should want others to know the truth. We want others to know the truth. 
the goal is not to win an argument, but to win a brother or a sister. The goal is not to win an argument. You know, some people have won arguments just by out-talking, out-yelling, out-responding. But the goal is to win a brother or a sister. That's the goal. It's a very different world. Paul's saying, Timothy, your goal is not just to show how smart you are, how capable you are, how vehement you can be, but your goal is to love people, to win them, and to teach them the truth. We want others to know the truth. That's what teaching is all about. And if you want effective service, you're going to have to learn this principle that we want people to teach. Now, if you're a life group teacher in our church, man, you, you have the responsibility of teaching others. Don't take that lightly. Some of you ought to be teachers, and you're not because you're not growing spiritually. The Bible talks in the book of Hebrews about people who ought to be teaching themselves, but instead they still need to learn because they've not grown up. And some of you are gifted and, and really empowered by God to be able to teach, but you can't because you haven't learned enough and you haven't grown enough and you haven't followed the Lord closely enough. But if you're a, a teacher, you see how important this is to be able to teach. But there's a sense in which all of us, even many of you who are never, you're not gifted to teach. That's not the role God has for you, perhaps. But God wants you to, to maybe not in a public sense, in a formal sense, but all of us teach to some extent. If you're a parent, you're a teacher. If you're if you're sharing the gospel with a neighbor or friend or a, a relative or a classmate, God wants you to teach. God gives that to all of us. All of us teach. I talked to a man this week, a, a, a guy uh, in our church called me, an old, older guy. If, it kind of works like this for me. If you're, if you're younger than me, you're young. If you're older than me, you're, you're old. That's just how I just put those two categories. easier for me to do it that way. So this guy's old. <laughs> and he uh, has not been able to come since we've since COVID's come along, and so he just watches online. And man, I appreciate those of you who watch online, and you, know, you, you can watch better or worse. You know, you can really lean in or not lean in, and he leans in, and uh, sort of, you can do the same even in person. You can really pay attention well or not. But he listens every week online. And so some weeks ago, actually a few months ago now, I had a time when I said several weeks in a row how I wanted people to read the New Testament for themselves. It's a good habit for you to develop to learn the Bible, but to read the New Testament for yourselves. And this man, you know, he heard me say it once or twice or three times. You know, eventually he said, I guess he's talking to me. I mean, I guess he, I guess I should do this. I, you know, you hear it once and you say, you know, he's talking to somebody. And then the second time, you know, somebody's. And then the third time, well, maybe, you know, maybe I should try this. And so though he had been a believer for years, he had never read the New Testament for himself. So, I mean, at some point, you've got to say, am I going to just, like, hear it from someone else? Or will I take personal responsibility? And so he said, I'm going to read the New Testament. <laughs> I mean, imagine that. He, he said, I'm going, to, I'm going to put into practice what crazy pastors asking me to do. And so I'm going to read the New Testament for myself. And so he took his copy of the New Testament and he divided it by the number of pages in it. And he... Um, you know, figured out how long he, he wanted to read it a little more quickly. And so he just divided by those many pages and wanted to read it in, in a few months. In fact, he said he's almost done now for the, through the New Testament, first time in his life. And um, he's been reading it faster than he had planned. You know, sometimes he just couldn't stop and just kept going. I commend that to you. So here's what he's done, though. So he said, so I have a couple of um, coffee 
buddies, you know, guys, we, you know, in the normal times we drink coffee together and we have to just distance now, but we still get together. And he said, um, so I said to these guys, I said, hey, have you ever read the New Testament? And they said, no. I mean, you know, little parts, bits and pieces. And he said, I want to challenge you to read the New Testament for yourself. And he told about what he had done. And then he said, when you get done, I want you to give that New Testament to someone else and challenge them to do it. And I thought, there's a guy who's saying, I want to learn the truth and I want, help, I want to help other people learn the truth. I want to know what God has for me and really in a gentle way, winsome way, help others to learn that truth. There's a third thing key to effective service. Gentle to everyone, able to teach, patient in spirit. The Bible tells us to be patient here in verse 24. It's telling us that we should not quit easily. We should not quit easily. I'll just tell you, every teacher has felt like quitting. You thought it was just you. Every pastor has felt like quitting. I've, I've seen more discouraged uh, ministers in recent months than I have in all of my ministry life. Every missionary has felt like quitting. It's not uncommon. The Bible, the reason Paul is saying under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to Timothy, stick with it, is because he's in danger of not. Because it's easy to lose patience. People hear the truth and never respond. People listen and never obey. We pour our attention into teaching well, and people just don't get it. And the danger is, we quit easily. And the Bible is reminding us, effective service says, I'm, I'm going to be gentle to everyone. I'm going to, I'm going to teach the truth, but I'm going to keep at it. And then number four, instructing gently. Instructing gently. Verse 25 says, instructing his opponents with gentleness. Notice it says opponents. Even those who oppose you can be instructed gently. We teach with love. We teach with love. Love is at the heart of our teaching. And we love people. We're going to tell them the truth, but we're going to teach them with love. And the Bible is saying this gentle approach is a key to effective service. Because God somehow, some way, and for some reason loves us, even though we're not that lovable and not that lovely. But God loves us, and He wants us to love like that. And so, the principle is the Lord's servant should choose a gentle approach. But there's a third principle. I'd like you to write this down. Are you, are you taking notes along the way? Principle number three, the Lord's servant should point others to truth. The Lord's servant should point others to truth. One of our jobs, one of my tasks for you is to point you to the truth. The task of your life group teacher is to point you to truth. The, the task of a parent is to point people to truth. The, the task of a witness is to point people to truth. Let's note four keys, what I'm calling four keys to following the truth. Number one is to repent of wrong. Verse 25 says, uh, instructing his opponents with gentleness, perhaps God will grant them repentance. Repentance, he's saying. Repentance is a Bible term. It's very common in the Bible. And it will always matter. We should never take repentance out of God's Word. It's not just reform. It's not just do a little bit better, but it's to repent. And repentance means more than just feeling sorry for we have used the word repentance like a synonym for feel sorry for. So we say, man, that guy, 
I mean, they did a terrible thing, and they're not even repentant. And we mean by that, they don't even feel sorry for it. But I'll just tell you, you can feel sorry for something and keep doing it over and over and over and over. Do you know that in your own life? You can, you can um, feel sorry for something and not change. But repentance means we're changing direction. We're going the wrong way, and we're going to change direction. We're saying, God, I'm not going that way any longer. I'm not disobeying you anymore on this. I'm not going the wrong way here. I'm going to repent. And repentance is a powerful tool in the hands of God. And he calls us to repent. It's a part of salvation. It's a part of our spiritual growth. It's a part of our witness to repent of wrong. And we can never go right if we're going wrong. You'll never go the right way if you're going the wrong way. So the Bible says, perhaps God will grant them repentance, leading them to the knowledge of truth. So the second key is learn the truth. It's not enough just to not go the wrong way. We also have to go the right way. And these two things go together. We turn from the wrong and we turn to the right. God wants us to turn away in repentance from the wrong thing and he wants to lead us to the knowledge of truth. God wants us to know the right way, the right things, and to go his way. So I'm not a big handyman, but we had a... a, a tried to turn in the switch in our dining room uh, the other day, and it just wouldn't come on. And so it's a dimmer switch, and I said, oh, great, you know, it's out, and I have to change that. It's a little bit complicated, and I'm not a very, you know, um, handy sort of guy with that sort of thing. But I went to the hardware store, 28 bucks, got a dimmer switch, 28 bucks for you know, this little dimmer switch, and uh, turned the power off, which you should do that first. I'll just point that out to you. And uh, change, you know, the wires and stuff and turn the power back on and it didn't work. And that was so frustrating, I decided to read the directions. <laughs> you know, all the way through it again, all the way and turn it back on and it didn't work. <sighs> read the directions a second time, all the way through, turned the power back on, it didn't work. It was so bad that I asked Vicky for help. That's how bad things got. She's more inclined towards that way of thinking. And so she started helping me. And there may have been some gentle quarreling along the way. I don't doubt maybe a little bit of touch of foolish and ignorant disputes along the way. I don't know. And um, turned it back on and it didn't work. And finally, you know, we just, uh, Vicky said, wait a second. And she went around the other, into the other room, and there was a switch in the other room. I thought there was only one switch, and it was a two-switch dimmer. And, I, and sure enough, we followed the directions for that and turned it right on. Our little granddaughter had visited us, and grandchildren are so sweet and wonderful and, and tyrannical. They tear things up horribly, and they, she turned that switch off. And we didn't, I didn't even know there was a switch. It's actually around the corner in another room, which is an odd way for it to have been done. But, you know, I could, I could not get the right until I corrected the wrong. I had to learn what was wrong in order to get to the right. Perhaps some of you are like this. There's something wrong in your life, and you're saying, you know, I'd really like to go the right way. But you're never going to go the right way until you repent of the wrong and learn the right and so if you want to go the right way, you start by saying, God, what you want to remove from my life, I say yes. What's going the wrong way, what's not, this is not right, not healthy, not, not what you have for me. I'm going to turn from that because you've got something better. I want to learn the truth and follow it. 
And then number three, we think sensibly. The Bible tells us, in verse 26, then they may come to their senses. Boy, we're slow to come to our senses sometimes. Do you remember the story of the prodigal son? And he leaves his father and spends all his money and he doesn't come to his senses when he spends all the money. He doesn't come to his senses when he leaves home. He doesn't come to his senses when he runs out of money. He doesn't come to his senses when he even runs out of friends. But there he is in the, he's taking care of pigs. And he's so hungry, he wants to eat what they're eating. That's so bad, he finally says, the Bible says he came to his senses. What would it take for you to come to your senses? I mean, sometimes we just, we don't think we're so colored by the thinking of the world. We're so confused by our culture or by our past that we just don't think straight. The Bible says, then they may come to their senses and, here's the fourth thing, escape the trap. This is verse 26, an important verse for you to get. Then they may come to their senses and escape the trap of the devil. He's got a trap set for you who has taken them captive to do his will. The Bible's saying that he's captured alive people to do his will. Not the Lord's will, but his will. You know, God has a plan for your life, but I'm telling you the enemy has a plan for your life as well. He wants to kill and steal and destroy. He doesn't want your freedom, no matter how much he's marketed it. He wants you in bondage. He wants you in bondage. He wants you to fall into his trap. He wants to take you captive so that you go the wrong way and do the wrong things. And the Bible says when we come to our senses, when we turn from the wrong, when we learn the truth, we can escape the trap that the enemy has set for us. And so God's Word is warning us here. It's warning us here about this danger. Some of you are walking along, you know, you're just not paying attention. You know, you're like the, you're, you're like the, the um, a guy walking through the forest not realizing there's a pit. He's about to fall into a pit. He doesn't see it. It's covered with leaves. That's, that's what the enemy is doing for you. He wants you to fall. He wants you to, he wants you to be harmed. He wants you to kill, steal, and destroy. And he's marketed it so well. He said, this, you're, listen, this path is great and wonderful and so exciting and fun. And then you find out it's not exciting and fun. It's everything except what God, God's will is right and good, but it's hard and uphill often and difficult. And so you've said, I'll take the, this path looks so wonderful and so alluring, and then you fall into the pit that the enemy has for you, and he, you find yourself in bondage instead of in freedom when God has something so much better for you. And the Lord's servant tells people the truth. So that's sort of our job together. Hey, I'm going to warn you about the enemy, and I'm going I'm to remind you that God's got something better. That's what your life group teacher does for you. I mean, they're, they're warning you, reminding you, teaching you, showing you the truth, even though the truth can be painful for us sometimes. We don't always like the truth. And even though it can be countercultural sometimes, it doesn't always match the world. But it's right, and it's good. And the Bible says it's good and pleasing and perfect, God's will. Good, pleasing, and perfect will. He didn't say it's easy and smooth and popular, but it's good and pleasing and perfect. And so we tell each other the truth and we read it for ourselves and we tell others and we tell our children because we care about them and we want them to know the truth. That's what God's servant does. So you say, well, I'm not, I'm not going to be a pastor ever. I'm, you know, God's never called me to be a career missionary. I'm not gifted as a teacher, so how does this apply to me? Listen, every, the principles apply to everyone. God in heaven wants you to serve him. 
And the way you serve him is to say, I'm not going to live a quarrelsome life. I know the world's filled with that. But that's not of you. I said, I'm going to reject that. And you tell me in your word there's a gentle approach. Well, that's not my past, and that's not the way I was raised, and that's not the that's not the vantage I've seen in life, but that's what you tell me to do, God. You want me to be gentle, to love people who don't always even love me back, to be kind, whether they're kind to me or not. And so, God, I'm going to choose that, and you tell me to tell the truth. You tell me to base my life on the truth. You tell me to point people to the truth. And so, God, I'm going to do that. As best I know how, I'm going to point other people to the truth of who you are, because that's the only hope. Not just to what's easy, not just to what's smooth, but to what's right. And when we do that, God in heaven uses that to change lives and eternity for his glory. Let's bow together for a word of prayer. Some of you here, the Holy Spirit is just speaking to you about these issues. Maybe the truth is you have a tendency to be quarrelsome. It's not hard for you to go down foolish and ignorant disputes to treat other people as they've treated you rather than as God has treated you. I wonder if you wouldn't say, Lord, I, I want to be your servant. And that means I want, you tell me the Lord's servant must not quarrel. I want that. And God, you tell me you want effective service for me. You want me to be gentle to everyone and to teach the truth and to do it with the right spirit. And so, Lord, I want that. I want to, I want to care about people. I want to love them. I want to teach them. Lord, you warned me about the danger of the enemy and what he wants for me. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy, but you have something so much better. You have the truth for me, Lord. I want to base my life on the truth. I'm going to follow that. So, Lord, I want to make that commitment in my heart. There's some of you here who need to be saved. The truth is you need to be saved. It's not just, not just reformed, not just to try a little harder, not even just more religion, but to be saved, to be born again. And the Bible tells us if we will repent of our sins and place our faith in Jesus who died for us and rose from the grave for us, if we will receive him as Savior, the Bible says God will save us because Jesus paid the price for us on that cross. He rose from the dead on our behalf, and we can be set free. We can be forgiven of sin. We can have new life in Christ. Today you can make that decision. Maybe some of you are just struggling with the area of obedience. God's reminding you he wants you just to follow him and to trust him and to go his way, and he'll bless and honor that. Father, I thank you for your word. There's a power to it. I want to thank you for caring about a man named Timothy who lived long ago and teaching him what it means to be an effective servant of you. And through that, to teach us all of these years later the same principles that apply to our lives as they applied to his. And by the power of your Holy Spirit, you're telling us the truth because you want what's best 